Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ben from United Q, and it's Wednesday, which means we've got another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. Hello. And we're brought to you, as always, by Pro-Q, Barbecue Gourmet, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. Pro-Q is dedicated to providing you quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice from beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Pro-Q Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even pick up some epic accessories, you can check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top-notch championship-winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of summer can be yours all year round. And on today's episode, we have James Lowe from JL Butchers, our first butcher on the show. Hello, James. Hello. You all right? Hi, how are you? We're good, thanks. How about you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Great to have you on. Thank you very much. Good to be on. Cool. Could you tell us whereabouts you're based and a bit about your background, James? Yeah, sure. So uh, my shop is in a very small village called uh, West Byfleet in Surrey, just outside um, Woking. Um, I've had it now sort of about two and a half years, um, three years in September. Um all come about um, quite randomly, really. I woke up one day and decided I wanted to be a pig farmer. Um, I've been a chef since I was 15, trained as a chef um, for three years, and then uh, decided I wanted to be a pig farmer, so started working uh, on a, volunteering on a pig farm in the evenings. Um, and then there was a chance for me to have a few of my own pigs, um, but before getting them, I thought I'd try and find somebody that wanted to buy them at the other end. Um, my parents had been using this butchers for quite a while so I popped in um, to see whether he wanted to buy them or not um, and he said no because he was selling the business it was just really awkward silence um, <laughs> so uh, just literally more than anything um, I asked him how much he was selling his business for and he gave me a figure and I sounded like a fairly good deal um, so one thing led to another and sort of a couple of months down the line I ended up buying the shop from him um, wow and that's a ton of events <laughs> yeah wow. Yeah, yeah. Borrowed, borrowed money from parents, borrowed money from the bank, and uh, and um, just went for it really. And uh, yeah, that was, yeah. So I sort of getting on for three years, um, and it's and it's all gone from there really. That's awesome. So did you ever get your pigs? And I never got the pigs. No, oh, because, no. Uh, <laughs> I ended up putting so much time into the shop that I just haven't got a, a spare minute to actually consider farming pigs now. So yeah, I bet. one day. Yeah, just sell them chops up now instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had similar feelings, actually. After reading the Ginger Pig book, I was like, oh, I really want to get my own pigs now. But so I better not walk to my butchers because I might end up buying yeah. one. It's risky, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> They've got such characters, pigs, as well. They're, they're wicked. They taste good as well, so. Yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you haven't, so you've not been butcher for long, then? You've just been into it for the last no. few years, then? Yeah, just the last few years, really. Mm. Um, but you've yeah, always been, been in food. Always been in food, always been in kitchens, um, so I've sort of always been around um, meat quite a bit. Always been a bit um, mad on barbecue um, and just sort of stepped it up the last few years as well and just gone bonkers with barbecue. So. Yeah, was, but, yeah, was it being the butcher that really drew you into the barbecue world or were you really, really into barbecue before that then? 
Um, I was, I was, all, I've always been into barbecue. Um, sort of started off a very traditional English barbecue with sausages and burgers on uh, on just naff barbecues in the back garden. And yeah, in the last few years, it's kind of just really taken over. <laughs> mm. but, yeah, um, hasn't it? It's done it the same thing to us all, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think having the butchers has sort of fueled it as well because obviously I've, I've got access to a lot of the cuts without having to like pay the big prices. Um, so you, I get to experiment quite a bit more and, and play with, with meat uh, quite a bit more. So. And recently you, you've started actually uh, butchering in the shop yourself, haven't you? Yeah, so, I'm, so initially when I bought the shop, um, I kept the existing butcher on full time. Um, and I was working a part-time job, um, and so part-time somewhere else, and then part-time in the butchers. Um, but it got to the stage where, if I really wanted to push the shop on, um, especially with the online stuff as well, with the ordering, because he's a he's an old boy, and and he's not all that okay with technology. It was getting quite difficult trying to take online orders and arrange couriers and stuff. So, um, got to a point where I needed to make the decision to jump over into their full-time and, uh, and drop him down to a part-time position. And since doing that, um, the online stuff has really picked up because I can put a lot more time into it. So Awesome. We started seeing some really, really wicked uh, barbecue cuts coming out from the shop, which is which is awesome. Something a bit different, which is which is yeah. great to see. Yeah, it's quite... Yeah, because I've got more time now, I can I can do a lot more research and, and listen to what like you guys and, and everyone on the forums and stuff is, is looking for. Um, and be able to supply that, really. Yeah, you yeah. definitely do that. Like, it's, you're the first name almost that we think of when it's like, right, we need a this <laughs> this barbecue cut. It's always it's going to speak to James Jail Butchers. They'll definitely know what to do with that. Recently, yeah. you posted like a, a guide to like the uh, Boston Butt, which uh, right. was like like a sort of guide for the British butcher on, on what what we would like from a Boston Butt and how to cut that to. To sort of the the specifications, which was really really awesome to see, because as as a sort of a buyer from butchers, it's it's always difficult when you're it's again like Instagram, social media, and stuff. You're constantly seeing all these cuts from around the world that people are doing, and it's like, okay, uh, how am I going to find that? And a bit embarrassing going into the butchers and being like, well, I want a Boston butt, but I don't even know what it is. I know it's yeah. from around the shoulder area, but. I don't have actually yeah. like actually not knowing anything about it to be honest, and it's it, it can be a bit daunting to be honest. I feel sometimes, and then whereas you that that sort of uh, step guide that you you posted the other day was so helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it, the the butcher shop is a pretty daunting place, um, and I mean, even when I when I said to the butcher that works for me, we need to start cutting Boston butts. I mean, he's been a butcher since I don't know sixties probably. Um, and he looked at me like I'd just spoken some foreign language at him. So a lot, a lot of the old boys still aren't, haven't really caught up with um, some of the new cuts. I mean, I say it's a new cut. I mean, if you was to walk into your butchers and ask for like a neck end of pork, you're, you're basically getting a Boston butt. Um, but it's, it's just worded differently to like how the US will, will word it and how we word it. But essentially yeah. a neck end neck end of pork is a Boston butt um, once you've cut all the, the bones out and uh, and taken the skin and that off. So. Yeah, so there are, are there like other things that we could call it then to if we wanted to get what we want? Is there is there like a quick guide you can give us on ask, <laughs> ask for this, this is what this is what it'll get. Yeah, <laughs> Boston, 
them, but you're, you're, you're best asking for a neck end of pork and, and then uh, just either showing the guy or you can, it's fairly easy to do it at home just to, there's a couple of little rib bones that are left on and a bit of the spine that's left on. Um, or you could ask your butcher for a neck end of pork, bone in, but with the, the bones removed from the outside um, and then just trim the skin off um, yourself when you get home. Mm. But yeah, ne- neck end of pork is probably the best bet if you're going into a butcher's. Or yeah. print off the handy guide that I did and uh, take it with you. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to see any more of those guides coming out soon? Hopefully, yeah. I um, should be working with Marcus um, for a regular feature um, in the magazine. Um, oh, wicked. Um, Another good. reason to check out the UK Barbecue Mag, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Because I, I honestly, I said to Marcus, show, I thought that was brilliant, the, the post actually. Really, really helpful and... It just really makes a difference. So when you can go into a butcher's and show them something and say, "This is this is what I'm looking for," it just really, really breaks down that barrier. And, and they're actually oh, okay. Normally, like most of the time, like I mean, remember when I went to my butcher asking for a tri-tip, and he looked at me like I had horns coming out of my head. And then, like <laughs> he just went online and he was like, "Ah, oh, that's what it is. No worries." Yeah. And and literally cut it out within <laughs> within a couple we of minutes. Watched him do it. <laughs> yeah, straight in front of us, and, and there we had a tri-tip. So. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's just sort of like explaining, I guess. Definitely, and I, I think I mean, as long as you're not sort of going in at sort of mid morning on a Saturday when there's a queue at the door and trying to ask loads of questions, I think like if you want to really like have a have a proper long conversation with with your butcher, I'd probably suggest going in sort of midweek sometime. Um, I mean, they'll always hopefully they'll always talk to you. I'll always try and spend time to talk to people, but obviously if you've got a, a queue of customers, it's it's difficult to to stop and, and spend a long time with, with one person. Um, always try to, but yeah, if, if you want to sort of really get to know your butcher, like have a, have a decent chat and sort of pop in midweek and, and tell them what you're about. As soon as you start tell, talking about how passionate you are about meat and what you do with it, then if any butcher is worth his weight, you should get equally as excited and, and want to talk to you about it. So Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Something that I've had from you is, uh, pork ribs and yeah. I've never had pork ribs like them from anyone else so so what's the difference from a JL pork rib and the standard pork <laughs> ribs we're getting from from our butchers and what should we, we be asking for I think um or should we just be ordering from you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, the problem is with like because obviously when we're when we're cooking pork ribs we like them to be really really meaty um and if you're cutting meaty ribs then you're, you're kind of jeopardizing the other side of the the rib a little bit, but I mean, there's all, there's all, I make so many sausages and stuff. You can always use up, um, any, any trimmings in your sausages. Um, whereas most, most butchers will tend to like, they like to cut the ribs quite tight to the bone. So, um, so yeah, it used to be really... like a skillful thing for a butcher to, to leave as little meat on the, on the bones yeah. as possible. Whereas we want yeah. meaty bones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so just ask, ask them for, Asking for real meaty bones. So is um, that just leaving more of the belly on the ribs? Is that is that essentially? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what you're really doing. Okay, wicked. Yeah. So you then you end up with the, like belly pork that's got less meat on it. Is the yeah, yeah. downside to that? <laughs> there's, there's ways of using it. So like you could you could stuff it and roll it, and it's, it's going to look like a nice joint at the end. So yeah. Um, but yeah, different butchers do things differently, and uh, so like, obviously you've got like the St. Louis, which comes from the spare ribs, which is kind of like the centre part of the rib cage, I suppose, whereas the baby backs will come across the 
the more across the top towards the loin. Um, so depending on what cut you want as well as to what part of the the side that you need to to go for as well. So. Mm. Yeah. Like pork, pork tends to be like fairly similar across the board. So like, uh, and uh, what I'm trying to get at here is like when like we're talking beef and sort of grades of beef, everyone wants like sort of your USDA beef or your Wagyu beef, but with pork, pork tends to be fairly fairly good here in the uk why is everyone looking for like u.s imported or like uh, or wagyu beef imported from from other countries what's what's like the difference to here in the uk it's uh, basically it's all down to um fat marbling really so um the u.s staff and the aussie staff seems to have a lot more um fat marbling through the through like the center of the meat rather than having like a, a fat cap as such um but again, I mean, there's there's people there's certainly people cooking English briskets um, which are coming out really nice. I know again, uh, Marcus, um, I think is working on doing um, a bit of a cook off between Aussie briskets and uh, and English briskets to see whether or not you can get similar results out of them. Um, but yeah, a lot of it a lot of it's down to the fat marbling um, through yeah. the meat. I mean, we had a we had an Irish one the other day at mm. Marcus's, and it was it was fantastic. Had good marbling yeah. on it, and and so there are there are there is good product coming from the UK. I think it's just yeah. identifying where, where where from, like which sort of which cattle within the UK we we'd be looking for or trying to sort out, and uh, getting a getting a good supply on it. Really, I cooked I I strike up a bit of um, the Longhorn beef from uh, Forest Beef, which we we wow. get in. Um, and that was that was gorgeous. I mean, just just as nice as um, any of the US USDA stuff that I've cooked. So, oh, cool. I think, possibly for competition, it might be different to sort of backyard cooking. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I love British beef. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wish that I wish it was used more. I wish people weren't looking for the the USDA and Wagyu cuts. So I, ho- I hope the uh, the findings that Marcus uh, brings to the table are uh, positive ones for the uh, British cattle, and we can start uh, using a lot more of it. To be honest, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it should be it should be good if he can get some good results from it. And are there, are there any like sort of unknown or like unusual cuts that we should be looking for that that maybe suit our British uh, cattle a little bit more? Uh, well, personally, I like I'm a big fan of things like flank and skirt and feather steak feather steak cooked dirty is i think probably one of the nicest steaks you can have basically which is the feather steak is is comes from the uh, like the blade bone in the shoulder um and it kind of it's called feather steak because when you when you bone it out it it's almost got like a feathery effect across the top of the meat um and yeah if you cut that nice and thin cook it dirty it's actually amazing cut of beef but yeah all, all the i love all the the lesser known cuts like like flank and everything is there's so much more flavor in them so how do they compare on like price wise is that a flank steak much, much, much cheaper, cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, for example i sell um like blade and feather steaks depending on market prices but usually around about 10 pound a kilo sirloin is 30 pound a kilo so, wow! Yeah, I have a question. Different. It may sound stupid. Is it is a feather steak cut thicker? Is that flat iron steak? Is that? Um, it's all from the same area. Okay. Um, so it's basically all around that blade bone, 
and um, there's a few different muscles that come away from it. But um, it, yeah, it's very very similar, sort of right next door to like you get a flat iron and then the feather basically. Okay, cool. I'm a big fan of the flat iron. I love love a good yeah. flat iron steak. Nice. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it's important. Like those cheaper cuts. That's what kind of barbecue was all about originally, wasn't it? It was like the brisket was a cheap cut, and that's why everyone was going for it. But it's yeah. become more and more expensive now. So finding these that's, other cheap cuts is what we want to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the more the supermarkets pick up on stuff as well, then it, it sort of pushes the prices up. Else, like for the smaller um, people to buy as well, because the supermarkets buy everything up in bulk so it kind of pushes it up for the rest of us yeah i mean that's something that really does attract me to pork a lot and again like cooking for big crowds and stuff pork just really shouts out to me because you can still pick up like five kilo pork shoulders for for like pennies and oh not pennies but (laughs) for like hardly anything (laughs) yeah no it's it is a good value um i mean because there is there's so much meat on it basically, um, and it, and it goes a long way, especially if you're pulling it. Um, you can get a lot of portions out of a out of a pork shoulder. So yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a good cut. Leg, I, I love leg of pork as well. Actually, to be honest, not a lot of people are buying it now. It used to be really popular in the UK, but everyone sort of because there's been some big campaigns about pulled pork and everything. Um, it's really hard to to sell leg of pork now. Well, I find it hard to sell. I end up um, curing a lot of my legs now and making gammons and stuff from them um, rather than selling them as joints. But. Mm. So when it, when it comes to pulled pork, do you think that like, the Boston butt, the shoulder, is the best cut of meat to do that? Yeah, I think the the, the fibres in the shoulder um, tend to break down a bit better than... I've tried doing pulled pork with leg and you, I mean, it does work. It's slightly leaner as well, so it does have a, a tendency to dry out a bit more. Um, and it seems to have slightly larger fibres in it, so it doesn't break down quite as much as what the shoulder does. But, um, so how yeah, would you shoulder- suggest people to, to cook their leg then? Because uh, you're, you're saying leg's one of your preferred cuts. So so what, what how would you cook up a leg? Uh, it's a really nice roasting joint, to be honest. Like, if you ask for the leg um, boned and rolled, um, lovely. Like Get all the skin scored nicely, gets a nice crackling on it. Um, so yeah, it makes it a nice roasting joint. Equally as nice on the smoker as well. Like basically, like cook very similar style to your shoulder, but don't take it quite as far, so you can get some nice slices out of it um, for a for a Sunday lunch. Cool. I often use a hand of pork when I'm doing my pulled pork because that's like yeah, that's what my butcher does. If I ask him for a shoulder, that that was kind of what he gave me when I said about it. So he's like, oh yeah, that yeah. is the shoulder. So is that? It's basically the. Sort of like the other side of where the bottom butt is. So you'd you'd cut the hand of pork off when you were cu- when you were cutting a, a bottom butt. Um, usually, I'd just trim that up for sausages because there's not too much left. But if you cut it sort of slightly deeper into the shoulder, you can use hand of pork for for pulling definitely. Cool. Nice. Do you get much uh, get through much lamb and stuff, or is it you mainly uh, pork and beef? Uh, no, we sell we sell quite a lot of lamb as well. Um, so again, mainly we should probably sell mainly more legs of lamb um, over shoulders. Um, Barnsley chops are a nice popular one, which is basically just two lamb chops still connected. Um, so you get like a double a double chop. Um, they're always popular. They look really nice. Nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and um, breast of lamb or, or lamb belly, as it's sort of 
getting a little bit trendy to call it lamb belly now rather than breast of lamb. That's a really nice cut, really, really cheap. Um, but yeah, you can you can like you can cook that either really, really quick again, like cook it dirty and it's and it's lovely, or or nice slow cooked. You can roll it, stuff it, and slow cook it, and it's really nice. Yeah, I was gonna say I've done it, like stuffed it and rolled it before, and that was quite yeah. nice. But I like this sound of trying to do it quicker, maybe. Yeah, I've tried I've, that before. It's really nice, like really, like super, super quick. Just like literally, just sh- sh- like flash it onto the coals, and it's gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I did a, uh, I got a saddle lamb the other day, and uh, like, uh, but asked for it to be cut, sort of extended down around the ribs, so it had a bit of belly in it as well. And then rolled right. it up like a, a porchetta, but did like a lamb shetter version. Oh, that lovely. was really wicked. That's really nice. I like that. Yeah. I did also, I'm, I'm really into lamb ribs, but they're always, again, it's probably down to the fact that butchers are cutting stuff to get as close to the bone as possible. But they're always so small by the time you you uh, well, by the time you buy them and, mm. and I had to cook like about 30 just for a snack for me so <laughs> it wasn't very economical <laughs> yeah I mean cause, uh, obviously the lamb lamb ribs are, are going to be a lot smaller than um, than the pork or beef ribs yeah and especially especially now as well because we've got new season lamb um, which tends to be a bit leaner um, than sort of a couple of months ago where slightly older older lambs but um, so yeah, so it tends to be a, a bit leaner, not quite as much on it. But nice. I was listening to a, a, a chef the other day talking about it was I can't remember what it was called. So you got lamb and then you have mutton, and it was like an in between stage where it was like sort of older lamb. And he was hog ta- it, hog it, okay. Yeah, and he was I saying that was really nice. Yeah, hog it's really nice. Um, I can't remember what the ages are now. It's uh, I think in the UK it's something to do with when their um, certain teeth come through so when it changes from lamb to hogget okay. um, and then after hogget into mutton um but yeah hogget hogget's lovely and mutton i'm a big fan of mutton as well actually yeah i've, I've all I've, i keep really co- sort of like close tabs and sort of the aussie scene and they're doing a lot of lamb on the, on the barbecue and and i'm really interested in it because as I've, as a family we've grown up eating a lot of lamb so so yeah. lamb's like a big part of our diet and and i've seen them doing up some like massive well they call them lamb like racks of lamb ribs i'm guessing they must be hoggy or or mutton because of the size mm. of these ribs and they're yeah. and they're cut sort of meaty like like your ribs are and they look phenomenal uh yeah and i'm, I'm that's what i'm looking to do next i'm gonna track some down hint hint <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, i keep seeing these um asado crosses on the forums at the oh, moment yeah. I'm pretty tempted to get hold of one of them so I can cook some lamb um, on one of them. So. I don't know if you'd be allowed to make a big fire outside the shop, though, and just pitch a, a side <laughs> cross right up. Well, you get in trouble with that one. <laughs> in the middle of the street, just a big fire going. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to be in the back garden. <laughs> you, you, you have served some stuff out of the front of the shop before, have you? Yeah, we, I'm quite lucky that I have got a bit of space out the front of the shop. Um, so quite often through the summer we will do barbecue so like this weekend we've just done the um barbecue bacon scotch eggs which were what they're one of the most popular things that i cook or we cook um and we sold out of them by about half past one two o'clock this weekend which was great um and we'll be doing them at the at a couple of food festivals over the summer as well so. I remember last year, like you posting some photos you making them, and there was there was something ridiculous number of them that you made. It was I can't remember what I think we were. 
I think we ended up over 500 in the yeah, end. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, it's the first time I've done the Woking Food Festival, and uh, there was there wasn't really anybody else there doing barbecue. Um, and I think I'd, I don't know, I think I'd made like a couple of hundred, thinking, oh, that'll do me for the weekend. And we sold out on the Friday, so literally we were up every night until about one o'clock in the morning boiling peeling and wrapping scotch eggs and yeah i'm sure i'm sure we did over 500 in the end over the three days yes was, i remember like, thinking i'd made like 12 thinking yeah i've done loads here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they are they are time consuming but the the final product is lovely it's really nice yeah i'm sure you, like, you felt like you started that phenomenon last year it was you that were posting them and it got me hooked into making them then <laughs> i think i can't remember I can't remember whether I whether I saw it or I think just because I was I was chatting about them quite a lot. People sort of turned to me to yeah. ask how I was doing associated them, so. with the Scott check. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was probably Kelly to be honest. <laughs> most most trends. <laughs> yeah, that's the Kelly kebab. <laughs> the Kelly kebab. <laughs> so when you when, when you're making those up, the sausage like meat that you're putting around them, that's obviously like your blend that you're adding to it. Do you use yeah, the same so, blend in your sausages? Are you using like all different ones in different scotch eggs and stuff? Um, it's, all, it's all basically the same. Um, so it's majority belly um, and then sort of some trimmings from the, the shoulder and leg as well. Um, but it's mainly, you want to aim for sort of around 30% fat really, um, which gives you a nice moist finish. Um, and then you can basically flavour them however you want. Like when people ask me, how I make them, I basically just tell people just whatever your favourite pork rub is. Um, if, say if you were doing um, pulled pork or however, whatever rub you had put on your pork, that's what I add. Um, Byron's butt rub. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> add that to your, to your pork. Um, and I find I found about a hundred. So if you've got a large egg, um, about a hundred and fifty grams of sausage meat tends to gives you enough to be able to work around the egg. Um, and what do we want? Just a thin, a thin, just a thin coverage around the egg, or what sort of you size? Want, well, you, want, you want a fairly, you want a fairly decent amount of meat on it, but you don't want so much that it's going to take forever um, to cook, especially if you're doing it like okay. on a commercial as well. So, um, do you reckon like half a centimetre thick or something like that? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say about that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, if you go, but yeah, I mean, I use about 150 grams. It gives you a nice coverage, um, so you've got a bit of meat to eat through. It's not just like a wafer thin layer around the. Um, egg, um, and then about about three rashes of, of streaky bacon, like crossed over the top. Smoked or unsmoked? Um, I smoke them. Um, so I smoke them for about half an hour um, to start off with, and then I brush them in a barbecue sauce, um, and then about another sort of ten minutes um, back on after that. Lush. Mm. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all about getting the egg right in the first place. Because if you can get a nice soft yolk, um, and then you, they're only on the barbecue long enough, basically, to get through that uh, meat layer and, and not affect the centre of the yolk. So if you can perfect your your egg boiling, and uh, and then yeah, after or just make sure you've got a meat probe and get as soon as the pork's cooked, pull them off, and then you won't affect um, that yolk, basically. What's your egg boiling technique then? Because <laughs> lots of people have got all different ways, haven't they? Some people oh. are like boil the water, then put the egg in. Some people put I the had, egg in, then boil up the water. <laughs> it's all different ways. <laughs> I had a disaster this weekend because um, I decided I was going to try and sous vide them 
um, and my CV um, broke halfway through cooking them. <laughs> so, but, so normally what I would do would just be to put them into um, put them into boiling water for seven minutes. Um, that gives you that just about sets the yolk because when I find when especially if I'm serving a lot of public, some people are a bit funny about having a really runny yolk. Um, if it was me at home, I'd probably only do it for about five. Yeah, but, I say five would probably be my. Yeah, my when I'm doing. Bit. Can I take it a little bit further just so you don't get any sort of complaints about the egg not being cooked properly? Yeah, good shout. Because you're, yeah, you're actually doing quite a bit of catering now as well, aren't you? It's, yeah, it's really picking up. Um, we kind of started it a little bit last year just through people coming into the butchers and asking us if we do hog roast and things. Um, so we thought, oh, well, we'll do a few barbecues. And we ended up having quite a lot over the summer just through sort of word of mouth. So at the end of last year, we decided we'd kind of split that side of the business out a little bit and we started um, low and slow barbecue, um, did a bit more advertising and yeah, we've, we're pretty much through the whole summer now. We've got something on most weekends, whether it be food festivals or like village shows or private functions. We've got like a big one this weekend for about 110 people, I think, um, which is just traditional barbecue, sausage, burgers and kebabs. Um, but yeah, we've got a few awesome. uh, American-style ones as well. So, yeah. so, so as well as like your sausage, burgers, and kebabs, what what other stuff would people be expecting to to see on the menu from uh, Low and Slow? We've got everything really, like everything you would, all the usual American-style ones, so briskets, ribs, pulled pork, um, through to yeah, just traditional burgers, sausages, hog roasts. Um, any, basically anything and everything. If it can be cooked over fire, then um, then I'll give it a crack. Basically, and we've got quite an extensive size menu as well: mac and cheese, pit beans, a few different types of coleslaws. So yeah, but it's really kind of like what it's, I like to work with, um, like with the customer a bit more rather than having sort of set menus. I'd rather just sit down and have a chat with someone and find out what they like and kind of just tailor the menu around what people like really rather than trying to pick it off of a website because mm. everyone likes something different mm. but yeah so most most things we can have a crack at <laughs> yeah got some nice sound inside i like the sound of the smashed cucumber and pickled watermelon salad that sounds quite interesting that's, that's really nice i think that's sort of basically inspired from the um the pick you um cookbook but that's it's really nice especially in the, in the summer and it kind of it cuts through some of the meatier, um, so like some of the fattier cuts, so like briskets and stuff. But you've got the pickled watermelon. Um, it kind of really sort of cuts through that fat a little bit. Mm. It's really nice. How do you pickle it? Um, it? I can't think what the recipe is now. It's it's a quick pickle. It's not a long one. Um, so it's, it's the usual suspects. So brown sugar, apple cider vinegar. Um, I think there's some chilli in there as well. Um, peppercorns. Just boil it up and let it cool down slightly and then pour it over the watermelon um, and then just leave it for a few hours. And it's good to go. You can, you can leave it for like a couple of ones, but mm. it's basically good to go after a few hours, really. So. That sounds good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what, th- what sort of barbecues are you cooking on? What sort of, what to say? What, what barbecues are you cooking on? Cooking on? Yeah. Um, I've got basically Weber's, so I've got um, Weber Master Touch, 57 WSM. Um, I've got an open um, hog roast, like um, wood-fired hog roast. 
I've got a few. I've got about three sort of commercial gas barbecues as well. Um, if you're sort of doing burgers on mass, um, I've got like a tripod thing over a fire. That's what I got. That's cool. You got a wood fired uh, hog roast. Yeah, don't see yeah, that very. I haven't seen you have a gas one. Isn't it? Yeah, you don't see it very often because it takes so freaking long. <laughs> <laughs> the the gas ones, especially the enclosed gas ones, you can knock out a hog roast in about six hours. Um, I'm looking at about 14 hours um, to cook a hog on my on the, the open wood fired one. Does it I cost much more money to to hire a, a wood fired guy to come and do it than a, a gas guy? Well, I think my prices are very reasonable. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm quite competitive in this area for prices. Um, I'd say I'd be definitely willing to pay. Yeah, I'd much rather be cooked now. over mm. over wood than yeah. over gas. It's um, you, you have to find the right sort of customer for it because it involves me basically setting up in their back garden 14 hours before their event yeah. and then coming, coming back every two hours to like work the fire basically so it's not it's not everyone's cup of tea but um we've done a couple this year we've got another one in a, in a couple of weeks time um so there are people out there that appreciate it and and it's hard work but it's good fun i, lo- I love doing it because <laughs> hmm. some people with the gas ones they like light them up before and then they start it cooking and then they'll yeah, bring, the trailer it, bring it, down. it trailer yeah. it down to you once it's already yeah. cooked and it's only spinning for effect i think really isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely people out there that, that will do hog roast but turn up with a cooked pig and yeah. basically, just, like I say, just put it on for effect, really. Yeah. I'm looking um, at photos on, on your um, lowerslowbarbecue.co.uk. There's a few photos of the hog roast on there. Yeah. It looks awesome. It's making me hungry as usual. <laughs> need to stop doing this every time we do a podcast. We'll start looking at the food and we're like, oh, I need to go and eat now. That's <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. Good fun. So you cook a lot. At home, you cook mostly on your Weber 57 yeah, and uh, the Smoky Mountain? Yeah, I was, most nights it's on the barbecue. Yeah. Actually, my wife said to me this morning, can we just have a couple of days where we don't eat barbecue food? No. Like, really? <laughs> like the sun's out. <laughs> yeah, what a bad time to say that. Yeah. I'm, what about two months ago when it was raining? Why yeah. didn't you pick that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, most most nights I'm doing something out there. Um even if it's just lighting a fire pit and sitting outside and having a beer around a fire pit, it's something about that whole being around fire and smoke and it's just, I find it quite relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at 11 days so far of not using our oven at home. Really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's your favourite wood if you're going to be smoking some food? Uh, apple and cherry, I think are probably my two favourites. Um, I'm not. Sure. I I don't know how much of a difference the wood makes. I, I mean, definitely cherry gives a much uh, gives a different um, finish, like color wise. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure really how. By the time you've got your different rubs and sauces and stuff on, how much that the different woods affect the flavour. Some people obviously will probably completely disagree with me on that, but um, yeah, I, I don't know that it, it makes a massive difference, but. I tend to stick to apple and cherry just because that's what um, I can get hold of the easiest. Yeah, I think around those lighter areas, you're probably right. Like around like apple, cherry, they are like a similar one. But if you yeah. went to like a a stronger, darker wood, then you will get a different flavour then. But I think that all the fruit woods yeah. you're kind of right. There are they're very similar, yeah. aren't they? Obviously, like, yeah, things like hickory and stuff are going to give them a much different flavour. But yeah, like I say, the 
the fruit, the lighter fruit woods, I don't, I don't think make much difference. Yeah. And are you a lumpwood or you got briquettes that you like to use? Uh, no, I use um, mainly lumpwood, um, and I got a, a friend who's a tree surgeon, so I get nice big chunks of um, wood off of him as well. But yeah, most most of the time, um, I use the big K restaurant grade lumpwood. Yeah. Um, and then Aussie heat beads if I'm if I am doing a really long cook. Um, I, I do quite like the Aussie heat beads now. So. Yeah, you've got some of those, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I actually, I, I like him as well. I mean. I was like massively again. I just wasn't into briquettes at all. But but now, I mean, I bought like a pallet of, oh, not a pallet, like a half pallet of Aussie <laughs> Always beads. Always exaggerating. And uh, <laughs> and like they just sort of sat in my garage for ages. And I tried I tried them and wasn't like overly convinced and just sort of left 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 them alone. But as my lumpwood was starting to run out recently, I actually uh, popped open a few bags and started using them a bit and gave them a bit of a chance. And actually, yeah, I actually enjoyed cooking with them and, and found them to be good and and. Yeah, I have no problem with them, to be honest. I am a lumpwood guy at the end of the day, and I will use lumpwood nine times over ten. But, but yeah, yeah nah, I, do, I do. The heat beads are, are good bits of kit. The cocoa shell as well that's come out recently uh, from Pro-Q, I've, I've enjoyed using that and, and grilling over that as well. It's a really good product. So. Yeah, I was going to say, we're both, both using that quite a lot lately, and it's just uh, noticed quite a few people online are starting to use it as well. And everyone's getting really good results out of that coconut shell stuff, aren't they? Yeah, I, didn't, I need to get some of that, actually. Actually, I'd give that a go. Yeah, get it. Get online. Yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, as far as different fuels go, I mean, I, I'm open to anything really, but I'm a lumpwood guy, and, and yeah, the, the cocoa shell's been, been pretty handy recently. Been using that a lot on some uh, longer cooks as well, which has been exciting. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned rubs a couple of times. Are you, do you buy and use commercial rubs in the shop, or do you make a lot of your own, own rubs? Um, a bit of both, really. I mean, I, 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 I do like Steve Hayes' stuff. Um, I've got quite a bit of his stuff. Um, Dirty Gold is is a nice one. I use that quite a bit. Um, but yeah, quite often I'll just knock something up myself, um, just with the usual suspects: paprika and brown sugar and salt and pepper. And with beef, I tend to I don't like to do too much of it, just salt and pepper. Um, especially if you've got a decent bit of beef, then I don't think you really need to mess around too much with it. I mean, with all oh, the meats, really, like even with the pork shoulders. Um, I try not to go too heavy on the rubs, especially, I mean, the, the plantation pork, which we get in at the moment, there's so much flavour in that pork that I don't, I don't see why you would mask it with, um, with loads of different rubs. <laughs> but. Yeah, we agree with you. I think like when you've got a good quality meat, it does seem a shame sometimes to just completely mask it out by using some really strong flavours around it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone, everyone's different and, and, when I first like when I first started training as a chef, you become really arrogant and you think that you know best and the only way to do things is how you do them and everyone if someone doesn't agree with you they're wrong. But as I've sort of sort of grown up That's and what Ben been, thinks it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well wow. I've been around food a lot more, you basically it's all down to to how you enjoy eating it and what flavours you like. One person can't tell another person they're wrong for doing something if if that's how they enjoy it and that's how they like it, um, why spend a lot of money on a piece of meat, cook it to how somebody else likes it, if that's not how you're going to enjoy it, basically, if that, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think I probably did pork a bit of injustice earlier when I was saying that you could sort of get away with anything. What I sort of meant is that, that pork's probably more forgiving in the fact that 
you could buy a, a or from go to the supermarket and buy some pork and you won't really go wrong with it. Whereas I do find with beef sometimes you 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 do especially. Yeah, I I, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Especially, I think especially because um, I mean the butchers. Hopefully, most butchers will be aging their meat um, more than what the supermarkets. So I know the supermarkets now do have a range. Most of them have a range of aged meat as well. Um, but when you go in and you look at, especially like the top sides and stuff, they're this bright red colour, um, and there's just there's just no flavour to it at all. Like I don't know if anybody saw the photos of the ribeye that Duncan had offered me um, last week, but it was just like black on the outside. Um, yeah, looked yeah, like the same. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more flavour in it. Um, which so yeah, so like beef wise. Um, yeah, it's like pork. Like pork is a bit more forgiving um, because you can yeah you can disguise a bit more with with rubs and stuff as well. But um, but, but I do yeah, find I mean, even pork from the supermarket. I'll buy like pork chops from a supermarket, and they're like shrink down to like a piece of bacon or something. It's yeah, it's not not the same. Like if I get decent pork chops from my butcher. They still look like decent pork chops when I've cooked them. And again, some yeah. of the heritage breeds and stuff, you do get different flavours. And, and that's why I think I was sort of doing a bit of injustice there earlier on. because Very flippant of you, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know, yeah. But <laughs> you can get some really fantastic flavours from, from good quality pork. So it is something you should definitely look out for. Yeah, some of the rare breed stuff, like Glostrol Sports, Saddleback. Like, there's, there's so much flavour um, in the fat as well, as well as the meat. Um, I had some mangalitsa in a little while ago, which if you like fat, you'll love mangalitsa pork. If you don't like fat, then you won't like it because it like has a, has a massive fat layer <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah, so Kelly uh, posted <laughs> some pictures. <laughs> but the, the flavour in that fat is just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it's not everyone's cup of tea again, but um, it, it is, it's good pork. <laughs> I think you did touch on it earlier, but I didn't make enough notes when I was talking about it, so I'm going to ask you again about um, sausages. Because I, I, I bought my own mincer to go on to my KitchenAid so I can try and make my own. I went to the yeah. butchers and kind of say, like, what's the best meat for that? And they're like, yeah, shoulder's the best meat for it. So I bought like, a really expensive shoulder and made yeah. sausages. And probably the most, they were really nice, but probably the most expensive sausages I've ever had. So it probably <laughs> cost me about 16 quid, I think, for this shoulder. Yeah. And then just made about eight or ten sausages out of it. <laughs> And I don't think, like, the fat-wise, there weren't enough. Like, I felt they were a bit dry. Other people liked them, but I'd think they're just being polite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, we tend to sort of aim for around Don't about, give away all your secrets, James. Don't give away all your secrets. <laughs> around about 30% um, fat makes makes a reasonably good sausage. Um, and a mixture of sort of belly and shoulder, really. Yeah, so probably out. I just needed to add a bit of shoulder into, uh, not shoulder, that's what I did put, bit a belly. bit of belly into my mix, and that would have been... Yeah. I have plenty you could borrow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to look at you when I said that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and what about burgers, then? If we're, we're talking about combos now, what would be your perfect beef burger mix? Perfect beef burger. Um, I like chuck and brisket. Um, combination is, nice. is really nice. Um, I have made some wicked short rib burgers, actually. Um, yeah, I want to try that, actually. They're really nice. Like get some really aged um, short ribs and uh, trim them off the bone, and and just mince it once as well. So it's quite a coarse mince. Um, and then I don't season my burgers um, when I'm making them. I'll just season them when they're on the grill because um, I find the salt 
like starts to change the meat slightly if it's all mixed through with the grind. Um, so I always tell my customers to season the burger when they're cooking it, basically. Um, yeah, yeah aged, aged short rib burgers are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I might try that. I've got a whole rack of short ribs still left at home. I might go for it. Yeah, I really, I I did recently, well, not recently, actually, now, quite a while ago, <laughs> but I did some uh, uh, oxtail, which I had trimmed off the bone, and then minced, and uh, oxtail, brisket, and it was sirloin, I think, but it was just because it wasn't, like, binding together that great, so I took some sirloin in the mix, and, and just, okay. they were, like, fantastic, the burger, oh, not the cheapest burgers in the world, but they were <laughs> flipping fantastic. Yeah. I mean, most again, it all it all depends on what you like and on how fatty you like your burgers and things as well. But um, yeah, most most cuts um, will do fairly well mincing them in, into burgers. But yeah, I'm a I'm a quite a big fan of sort of chuck blade and, and brisket sort of combination. Is nice. My my like go to mix, I guess, really is chuck with some like streaky bacon in it. That tends to be what I usually go for. I find yeah. that that like, gets the extra fat content in there from the bacon. Yeah. Sounds nice. Do you ever sell burgers like that? Yeah, we have done. We've mixed. Um, we've done a few different flavors uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, we've certainly done um, burgers that have got some um, bacon in them as well. And Tom Kerry, Tom Kerridge, um had a really good burger recipe that had um, some bacon in it as well. I love Tom nice. Courage. He's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, half the man, half the man he used to be as well. Yeah, <laughs> trying to do what diet he was on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you can be a chef and be like that. Yeah, that's my problem. I don't get any food to the table. Which I eat it all. I eat it all. well. I am technically, you know. <laughs> so also, you're involved with a barbecue competition and festival. A festival? Uh, yeah, so it's basically uh, music and barbecue competition festival uh, it's called the big meat it's august 27th and 28th um so it's an ibqn sanctioned competition we've got 18 teams at the moment and about a waiting list of about six or seven i think um because we're just still trying to work out some How parking them all in <laughs> yeah so um this is the second year it's our second year last year we just it was basically just um like a social event so me and Leo, who I organised it with, we were sat in my back garden around a fire pit and we'd had a few too many beers and we thought it'd be a really good idea to get a load of people together on a field and barbecue and listen to music. Um, so we've, fortunately enough, I know a lady who's got a farm not far from here. So she said, yeah, why not? You can do it at our place. And um, we arranged it in about three months and we got about 300 people turn up. Um, we had wow. bands. That, like bands that just played for nothing, um, and everyone. We had a couple. We had a couple of teams. Nom Nom Barbecue came down, and um, barbecue mates, I think, were there. Um, but it's basically just more of like a social event. We had a few people and um, barbecued and drunk beer and listened to music, really. And uh, and then talking to people about it for this year, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you need to make it a competition, especially with grill stock like dropping down to just one." Um, there was quite a big gap. Um, for another UK um, competition so we decided we'd give it a go um, and yeah it just it just it's gone pretty crazy really um, we've got a lot quite a lot of bands it's over two days as well so Saturday and Sunday this time 
there's camping, obviously there's the, the competition, and I think we've got up to about eight bands at the moment. Um, awesome. Over the, over the two days. So, and how do yeah. people get involved with that then? Where do they, or if they want, obviously you're trying to find some more room for teams, but if other teams did want to enter, how would they get in touch? And if people wanted to just come along for the, the day or the weekend, how would they How would they get involved? Yeah, so if you just check out our website, um, thebigmeet.co.uk, um, there's loads of information on there. There's um, forms that you can fill in um, for to apply for the team positions. I don't think we're, we might be able to release the reserve ones um, if we can sort out the parking issue, but we probably won't be taking on any more teams for this year. Um, but what I have been saying to a few people is if you just fill out the application form anyway, we've got your details that we can send you some information for next year. Um, and you can buy tickets online. Um, you can send me a message and or me or Leo Mansell send us a message and um, we can post some tickets out to you and stuff as well if you just want to turn up for the for the day or for the weekend. So, Awesome. Yeah, but check out the website. All the information's on there, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got all. It's got a list of all the bands and everything that are playing there as well. Yeah. It's cool. It must be quite a big event locally now, then. Um, it's 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 growing. Um, it, the trouble is we're, we're we're fairly limited on space, so it's it's trying to grow the event without causing some massive issues with um, parking mm. and and because it's it's actually a working farm as well. Um, so we need to sort of work with the guys that own the farm and make sure we're not impeding them in any way. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. It's a bit of a juggling act. There's a lot, of, a lot of things that we still need to work out. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's, I'm sure it'll all come together. And we're, and it's going to be it'll be a good weekend no matter what happens. It'll be because um, it'll be the competition side of things. So it's going to be a good laugh wherever happens. <laughs> Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We definitely want to be there, don't we? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah we'll be good. Great cool. to see. Like, I mean, it's something that really I, I think the UK scene's sort of lacking at the minute is enough competition. So, so yeah, it's fantastic to see you guys stepping up to the market, putting something on for, for the barbecue community and, and also just bringing it all together with like the music and just being outside and sort of that alfresco sort of side of living and just really promoting that, that style of life, which is which is awesome, guys. So, Big, uh, big kudos for doing that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, it's great to see another one. Uh, Miss Piggy's Barbecue's organising another one for next year, so that's another one on the cards. So, uh, so really looking forward to having some more, more barbecue competitions in the UK. It'd be interesting to see as well if Grill Stock uh, maybe expand back up to to more than one. It'd be interesting to see yeah. whether they do that or not. But yeah, it it seems like with the amount of teams that are applied for for some of the competitions that are around that there really is a a calling for some more competitions in the circuit so so yeah really looking forward to seeing what what sort of uh comes out for next year as well yeah definitely i mean we're hope, next year we'll probably be moving venues to somewhere much bigger so and um, we should be able to take in a lot more teams and and not have as many issues to to resolve so it will definitely be happening next year Um we just need to find a, a bigger space because it's grown so much so yeah, sort of thing. That's like that's what when we're chatting to John, that's sort of like his problem as well. Is that he really wants it where where it is in Bristol City Centre, but with the amount of teams applying, he yeah. tried to, see, but there's just no expansion there. So yeah, he sort of hit, already, hit the it? hit the max it could possibly be. So so yeah, I mean, it is a difficult situation, but but yeah, it'd be great to see you grow and 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 where it's going to go in the future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exciting times. Yeah. 
So, well, a question I just thought of was around like the fact of different cuts of meats and different types of meats and stuff. And lots of people like talking about eating goat, and we talked about like mutton and stuff. Like, are there any other like sort of rarer meats and stuff that you're trying to push more in the butchers? Um, not really. I mean, we're selling a little bit more goat now than than what we used to. Um, but no, it's mainly it's it's the main players really that are, are the popular ones. And I mean, it's it's difficult as well where I'm in quite a small village rather than if I mean if I was in the centre of London, I could probably do a lot more, be a lot more adventurous. Um, but where I am in in a fairly small village, and it's it's difficult sometimes to be too adventurous because you end up with obviously you need to look after your wastage and stuff. So. Um, but the more the more stuff I can do online, and the more um, coverage I get online, the more the more I'll be able to sort of expand the range a little bit more as well. So, how does the process work then? Like ordering meat online, so say I go onto your website now and I order up some ribs. What do I get to like choose a delivery slot, or do I, you tell me when it's going to come, and how, um, yeah, how does it come packaged and stuff? So it comes in um, like thermal polystyrene boxes, um, packed with ice, which keep the, the stuff cold for like up to 72 hours um, but it's, nec- it's next day delivery Wednesday to Friday so um, place an order on Tuesday you should get it um, the next day as long as I've got enough time to get it all prepared um, but I, as soon as I get an order through on the website I'll send an email straight to the customer and start a conversation with them anyway just to check that it's quite hard to sell me direct off of a website because you have to put like certain weights and stuff on there. Um, I find it much easier if people just send me a message on Facebook or give me a call in a shop and say, James, I want this for next weekend or something. And when you're talking to somebody in person, you can make sure they get the right um, cut than just sort of clicking on a website and and hoping for the best. But it's it's a fairly fairly nice website and and the basic stuff is on there. Um, But it's much easier just to drop me a message and we can have a chat and I'll get it sorted like exactly how you want it basically or if you're not on Facebook then then you just pick up the phone I guess and give you a ring maybe yeah um, drop me an email pick up the phone whatever really awesome cool do you, do you need to be there to sign for it when it arrives um, I can put instructions on the um, delivery to sort of leave it in a certain area um, yeah. so if you've got like an outhouse or something then I can put instructions on there to leave it leave it in a secure place or leave it with a neighbour or something. So, cool. no, you don't always have to be there. But. I love that idea. Just turn up at home with all my meat's already there, ready for me. <laughs> a lot of people get it delivered to their work on a Friday. So yeah. then they can just stuck it in the car and go home and they've got it all ready for the weekend. So. Good idea. Sounds like a, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a lush idea. <laughs> what we'll be doing tomorrow. <laughs> One more question. Do your parents still come to the, the butchers or have they decided to go somewhere else now? <laughs> <laughs> no, they still come to the butchers. <laughs> They've actually been a godsend. They've um, they've given me a lot of support um, financially at the start as well, and and they're in most weekends with me, um, helping out, doing some bits and nice. bobs if I need it. And uh, like this this weekend with the barbecue function we've got on, Dad's coming down to to help flip some burgers for me as well. So um, awesome! Yeah, they've been a great support. They just get um, the meat from down the road though instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, they they're, they're brilliant, awesome. and and the wife as well, putting up with all my barbecuing and and uh, dragging her around to different events and stuff as well. She's um, yeah, she's been great. They are very forgiving, our wives, aren't they? They're all uh, <laughs> they are. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they put up with a lot, but you get to eat good food, so. <laughs> Definitely. There's a perk to it. Yeah. Right, mate. We are at the hour mark, so I am going to jump in there and call Fantastic. it a day. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great chatting to you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good job of drugs. I think my battery's about to die. So. <laughs> <laughs> can uh, you quickly tell everyone before your battery dies where where they can find you online, what social media is, your website address, all of that stuff? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, jl-butchers.co.uk. Um, just search on Facebook for JL Butchers and on Twitter as well. I think it's JL underscore Butchers. Um, but yeah, I'm sure if you just if you just punch in JL Butchers, um, you'll find something about me, good or bad. <laughs> all good. <laughs> I'm going to post something bad now yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks mate thanks for being on cheers bro no problem chat thanks soon much, guys. cheers right guys thanks for tuning in we've recorded yet another awesome podcast to help you get over hump day as always we're brought to you by ProQ Barbecue Gourmet and Smokewood Shack our awesome sponsors ProQ's dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products and top notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you're thinking about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even looking to pick up some epic accessories, you can check them out over at Max Barbecue. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the United States and around the world. You can find them online on Twitter and on barbecuegourmet.co.uk Regardless of how you cook whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of summer can be yours all year round and Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking woods every time they provide the smoky goodness then you provide the talent <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust or chips or planks, then head on over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack. And I just want to jump in and just give James Good a quick part. shout out here before before we cut off. Mm. And just he sponsored the the Great British Barbecue Off, which uh, Ben put on last year. Yeah, didn't uh, mention that. Which was supplied me with amazing lush goods for all of our challenges. Yeah, which I got to cook with, and they were absolutely amazing. And and also, uh, he's also stepped up to the mark again. And I put out a post on on the Facebook forum, not really expecting to to get much back, to be honest. Uh, and he sort of jumped up straight away and private messaged me within seconds and sort of offered up to feed uh, the whole the whole group of students from a local SEN uh, school. Uh, which my partner works at and we're putting on a, a good end of year party for them and uh, we're going to do a barbecue and a bit of a cook up for them and, and he's offered to sort of cater for the, the whole thing so he's mm-hmm. he's sending down, uh, sending down meat for it for the to feed all the kids and uh, and yeah really really stepped up to the mark and, and really really appreciate that so just a quick shout out there before yeah. we do cut off so thank you so for f- me as well <laughs> thank you very much thanks mate. for supporting the barbecue community cheers no, cheers right. bye <laughs>